The Las Vegas Raiders have partnered with the global lifestyle app TrueConnect to give the gift of wellness. Transform your mind, body, and soul through thousands of hours of premium fitness content, guided meditations, progress tracking, and more. Visit tcfree.fit to redeem one free year of TrueConnect exclusively for Raider Nation. Welcome to Raiders Roundtable, brought to you by America First Credit Union. JT, along with Q Myers, Lincoln Kennedy will join us here in our next segment. And Q, the Raiders got a much-needed win, 38-20. to It was a dominant performance in the fourth quarter, right. and the Raiders put a very testy Texans team away. And the big thing is they built momentum going forward. They really did. And, you know, the f- thing about it is in the fourth quarter, 21 to nothing. That was the score yeah. for the Raiders, right? That's really dominant, and Josh McDaniels talks about being the best that you can be and playing at the best when it's needed. It was needed in the fourth quarter. They were down going into the fourth quarter, but found a way to put up 21 points and uh, go ahead and get that victory, like you mentioned. Needed a big-time victory. Yeah, it was a must-win. It's t- tough to do what we do and say must-wins this early in the season, but the Raiders were coming off a bye week, and they had to win the game. I thought the key, and we'll break all that down and talk about it, Q, but the importance was to finish the game with momentum. If they won by a late field goal, if they won by a pick six, if it was a last-second play, I did not care. They just had to get on the plane later this week to go to New Orleans with momentum. And as you mentioned, 21 points in the fourth quarter is about as big a momentum as they've had all season long. No doubt about it. And it really helped being at Allegiant Stadium, having the home crowd behind you and and getting those – getting the fans real fired up and giving them something to get fired up about. And you can see the team just get a little bit more lathered up. You see the defense made some plays. They they weren't a great unit all, all day on Sunday, but they made some plays when it really needed to uh, the most. And then, of course, Josh Jacobs had a heck of a performance again and just continues to be that bell cow. Yeah, we're going to spend a lot of time talking about Josh Jacobs. He's having a fantastic historical yeah. Raiders season. You know, I saw Marcus Allen at the game, and Marcus talked to him after the game, and he's putting up Marcus Allen numbers, and that's no joke. He He's putting up Marcus Allen numbers, 49 games compared to Marcus's 50. I'm just really impressed by what he's doing. And for those who talk about his contract status and the 50-year option, this isn't our money cue. No. You know, they'll make that decision at the highest level of the organization, but I love the way he's playing. Absolutely. And he plays. He runs hard. He runs downhill. He runs strong. I mean, violent. Everything you can describe a really good running back, that's what he does. And the one thing I love, and he mentioned it after the game, is that Marcus has taken him under his wing since he's been a member of the Raiders and really helped mentor him. And he said, I don't take that for granted. That's Marcus Allen, right? That's a big deal right there. That guy is a Hall of Famer. So if he's willing to talk to me and spend a little bit of time and talk to me about being a pro and what it is to be a Raider, I'm going to listen. I thought that was important. That is a great point that you make because I talk to Fred Bolitnikoff often and Fred's Texan Hunter every week. Right. When you have have a building and an organization as this many Hall of Famers, right? You better reach out to them. Absolutely. They're available. Yeah. They're at every game. Yeah. You know, they're there, they're on the field, they're at the torch. And I get that. Marcus is now back in the organization yeah. full time. Right. For Marcus to understand that Josh needs a mentor or Josh understanding that a mentor's available. I mean, you look at these runs and the way he's running downhill. That's what Marcus did. Marcus made you miss. Yeah. But if there was a way to knock someone down, he would. And Marcus never ran out of bounds unless right. he had to. He tried to get the extra yards. I just love this for Josh Jacobs. He really deserves all these accolades. No doubt about it. And that's something else uh, Josh mentioned to us after the game in the locker room. He said, I can run around a guy, yeah. but I'd rather run through him. It gets my, my fans, the fans fired up. It gets the teammates fired up. It gets the guys on the sideline. Uh, Devontae Adams said, hey, when he runs through somebody, I flex 
kicks on him too. You know, it gets him pumped up. So just seeing that just boom, that bulldozer hits you, that gets everyone amped up. And that's what Josh Jacobs is doing. Now, as we're looking at some of the second half highlights, I was concerned because Houston put up 404 net right. yards. And I think there's still remains an issue with this team. It's this bend, don't break. Mm -hmm. Middle of the field is open, and there's a lot of chunk plays. But as we talked about, this is a team now we can't complain about big plays. And they had a scoop and score earlier in the year, and then they had the pick six with Harmon as it's coming up here. So I like the fact that the defense is making big plays, but they have to get better, Q. They have to get a lot better. They have to tighten up, right? I mean, Davis Mills is not a very good quarterback, and he got comfortable on Sunday, right? And that kind of concerned me during the game, thinking, hey, man, this guy believes that he can make every throw. He's going to make every throw. So you saw him make some big plays. But to your point, the Raiders defensively had not scored a defensive touchdown in a long, long time, and then Amik Robertson got the scoop and score, and now you saw Deron Harmon with the pick six. That's impressive. It comes in bunches. So hopefully for the Raiders in that defense, it continues to come in bunches. Look at Colton Miller on that play as he (laughs) just was a freight train leading the way there. But when you take a look at Mills, again, right there is a good example that someone's wide open because of the zone coverage, and Mm -hmm. the zone coverage doesn't pick up the receiver over the middle of the field, and you're seeing a safety or a corner. Right in between a linebacker trying to uh, react a little bit too late. And I think Patrick Graham has got to tighten that up going into New Orleans. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, New Orleans, I don't care who the quarterback is, Andy Dalton or Jameis Winston, they can throw the ball around the yard, right? And so uh, that could be something that can hurt the Raiders defensively if they cannot tighten that up. They've got to get better. The thing about it is, and we've heard it multiple times from multiple coaches, it's okay to have things to work on if you're winning games. It's when you have a lot to work on and you're still losing, that's when it's a problem. So even though they didn't play the best game on Sunday, they won, so they can build on that and try to get another victory coming up this week against New Orleans. Yeah, the other positive I want to get to is Deron Harmon, and yeah. obviously he, he iced the game there, but you and I were talking before the podcast about the amount of snaps, and I didn't right. realize how many snaps he had in this game. It seemed like they have a scheme now going with three safeties. Abrams mm-hmm. getting snaps along with Trayvon Merrigan. Right. Obviously, Harmon is playing really well here. I liked what they're doing there. They're trying to find the best players in combination. What do you think of that? Oh, I love it. And Deron Harmon played 100% of the defensive snaps, all 64 of them. And, you know, he, he was needed, right? And he's a guy, and what I've known about him since he's been with the Raiders is he's the guy that they always called the closer. He's the right. guy that'll be in the right place at the right time because of his film study. And he knows, okay, in this formation, if you line up here, there's a good chance that if I can't get the ball, I'll tip it, and you have an opportunity. He's been saying that since training camp and it's coming to fruition. Now he has two interceptions on the season. The one pick six was the first pick six of his career. Thought that that was awesome and uh, just a way to seal the deal and didn't have it one of those games in Allegiant Stadium where all the fans are panicking at the end. Take a look at these final game stats for the Raiders and for the Raiders, no turnovers. And when you look at the penalties being down, that was really important to me Mm -hmm. because the way that game started, there wasn't a lot of energy. No, There wasn't a lot of energy in the building because the game wasn't going fast. And I'm sitting here going, Raiders, you can't be in a position where you're going to take yourself out of the game starting 10 yards back, right. starting behind the sticks. And I think this is what Josh McDaniels Q wanted to get back to. One of these clean stat sheets where no one got the team in trouble. Very important going forward. Yeah, and the penalties that they did have, they were really early, early in the game, yeah. right? They were basically on the first drive. And so that was, you know, that was something that I looked at and thought, man, you can't shoot yourself in the foot. That's something that uh, Josh McDaniels talks about all the time. They cleaned that up. I don't know if they were just a little rusty coming out of the bye week. The Texans were coming out of the bye week as well, uh, but they did find a way to clean it up, and that was important. Hey, they snapped that bye week streak of losing. Yes, yes. That's, this that was a, This is a new regime here, new head coach, yep. new GM. I sat down with Dave Ziegler last week in this season. 
seat, and they're trying to put in a new system here and a new culture of winning. And, Q, how many times have we said you have to learn not to lose right. before you can learn how to win? Well, that was another example of what Dave and Josh have been preaching around here. Do your job. Right. Do it right. Don't hurt the team. And Derek talked about that also post game. When you start doing your job and you do it correctly – things start happening. Right, and it becomes habit-forming. That's the thing. When you start doing your job and you're not shooting yourself in the foot and you're doing it correctly, it becomes habit-forming where it's second nature, where you don't have to think about yeah. it. When you think is when you make mistakes. They're starting to get to the point where they're not having to think as much and they're just able to go out there and react. Well, that's what we wanted. We wanted a victory before the Raiders go on this extended road trip. They'll go to New Orleans and then they'll go to Florida before they take a little break in Sarasota and go down to Jacksonville. So this team's going to have time to bond together on the road. Coming up next, Lincoln Kennedy will join us. We'll talk to Lincoln about what he saw in the booth and what lies ahead in New Orleans as we continue on Raiders Roundtable. When you're a part of a team, there are expectations. And one of the things I expect from my team is trust. I work hard to win, and I trust my team to work hard too. That's why I feel good about America First Credit Union. They're my financial team, and I trust that they'll always be there for me and my community. I'm Hunter Renfro. Join me and the America First team today. We're back on Raiders Roundtable, brought to you by America First Credit Union. Lincoln Kennedy joins us, the great pro bowler and the analyst on the Raiders Radio Network. Lincoln, how did it feel looking down from your perch, especially the fourth quarter where the Raiders on offense and defense finally came together, both sides of the ball, in dominant fashion? It felt good to finally see this team come together and play together for four quarters. Uh, we hadn't seen that in quite some time. And, and you can talk about the win against the Broncos, but I think the Broncos are inept, so that's the discussion for further. But for the Raiders' part, to finish a game, to finish strong in the fourth quarter, really felt good. Lincoln, what about the offensive line, the way that they've been able to run block for Josh Jacobs, who's been putting up some gaudy numbers the last three games? They love the block downhill. You talk about it all the time. What have you seen from those guys? I've been waiting for this team to become smash mouth and physical for sometimes Q and JT. The thing is, is that it looks good because they can run between the tackles and that says something. Now they had their issues early in the game uh, against the Texans. And I thought that was a lack of communication. They need to go up to the line and sign who they've got and point out who they've got. It's okay. You know, every coach that I've ever played for says, who cares if they know that you're coming for them, just let them know that, know that you know who you have. So the communication got better as the game progressed. And more importantly, look, I love, to see big guys running the perimeter, whether it's Mumford or, or Colton Miller getting out in the edges, blocking those corners and undersized safeties, seeing the fear in their eyes up from the press box as they're looking at those big guys coming down on. That was a wonderful, wonderful thing to see. All right, Lincoln, let's jump into red zone offense and what you've seen from training camp to the preseason. What Josh McDaniels is known for from his days with the Patriots, with Gronk and Brady and the slot receivers, and what you're seeing now. Because I like when the ball goes in the end zone. The red zone offense now is Josh Jacobs running it into the end zone. Well, that's fine. I mean, I don't care how you get the TDs as long as you get more TDs than you get threes. So you guys know how I feel about that. Look, the thing is, when when we've seen in, in the past, we've seen them be creative with Darren Waller. He was unavailable for the Texas game. We've seen them be creative with Hunter Renfro. They tried to double team him up for the Texas game. And that's one of the reasons why that run came so open. There was a safety and a corner that was sitting over Hunter Renfro because they know that the Raiders like to go to, go to him in those situations. So here's the thing. You've got to be creative. 
You got to be positive. And more, more importantly, you got to execute better. And I thought that they did that better than we've seen in quite some time. The Raiders are, are going to be uh, a difficult team to stop in the red zone if they can continue to in, in, invent ways to get the ball to their playmakers. Lincoln, we've talked about it multiple times about the consistency and the and, and also the attitude when you get to the red zone that you just have to want it a little bit more than the other team. Is that a, something that you're starting to see a little bit more confidence even from this offense when they hit the red zone? Well, you know, Q, once I thought we get the, the offensive line situation just finalized and we know who's playing out there, I thought that they can, they can you know, better uh, position themselves for to advance or to, to be better, more uh, creative and, and better in the red zone. I've seen a little bit of that. I, I think that, you know, look, for what it's worth, you talk about Dylan Parham, you talk about Munford, the young guys coming in and starting in a row or playing in a row that's big for them. They played pretty well. This offensive line is starting to create its own identity. It's long overdue, and then we're already well into the season. So, but I did see parts of that during the Texan game. Now we'll be able to if they will go could go to New Orleans and do the same thing against a very good New Orleans defense, then we'll have something that we can move forward with and, and definitely talk about. Well, Lincoln, I think this team is going to be known for scoring points. At some point in the season, and we're seeing these 30-point performances now, get into the 30s, and you're going to get into the 30s with Josh playing at this level and work and play action. So I've been dying to ask you this since I saw you Sunday. Can you see this team pass blocking better? Because we're just talking about the run blocking, and it's obviously opening up holes. But what happens if they're forced in New Orleans in Jackson in a shootout are you seeing growth with this offensive line and scheme that they can pass protect JT it's coming it's coming along in increments I, I saw a little bit more in this Texans game we'll have to see obviously more against going against uh, the, the New Orleans Saints who've got a, a viable pass rush so when you talk about first of all who you're playing and where you're playing them and how you're playing against them the run game allows you to have balance that creates balance where you can open up things like the play action. And that's what happened with the Raiders versus the Texans. We know they want to be physical. The Raiders do. We know the Raiders want to be physical. They want to instill themselves upon of others. Sometimes that when you don't have the right communication or you're not getting the right amount of production, you'll get a little bit, you know, you know, testing and try things in the passing game, which opens you up to more, a little bit more liabilities. But for what I'm seeing so far, JT and Q is that this team has progressed in small increments. They came a long way between the buy, obviously not playing anybody and now to see what they did against the Texans they've got a string of road games and a string of games I think that they can win they should win that's because they're a capable team but it has to be consistent and it's hard under with only one game under your belt to say that they have that consistency yet Lincoln is this a situation for Josh Jacobs who's been running great the last three games that it's a potential here where uh, because the weapons that the Raiders have offensively, especially on the outside with Adams and, and if a Waller comes back healthy and you have Hunter Renfro, that teams can't decide that they're going to take away the run game because the other weapons could burn them? That's the beauty of the offense, Q, if you think about it. With all those weapons, especially if you have Waller in there. And and, and look, for what it's worth, even Foster Moreau was able to stretch the field and get opportunities right. to pass down the field, you know, this this past game without Waller. it's He's just not as capable of weapon receiving as Waller is. We, we all get that. So, But to have these types of weapons at your disposal, it's hard to just say we're going to take these things out. Now that you add the running game and you've got a viable weapon in the running game, the, the guy who's rushed for over, you know, 140 plus yards over the last three games you have to take notice of that and Kansas City loaded the box and we had weapon we had a chance to, to strike down the field when they played against them you saw Houston did the same thing they loaded the box if you have a single high safety you're supposed to throw the football that's the cardinal rule you single high safety you throw the football you have two safeties you run the football because you can have that balance 
whether you have your, all your weapons at your disposal makes this offense that much more viable. You just have to have the consistency like JT was talking about in the run as well as the pass block. And when you do do that. Lincoln, as we stay with Josh Jacobs, you're a great player in this organization. When you see and hear what Marcus Allen had to say, and you played and blocked for some great running backs, and you know the legends who played before these great players, including Josh Jacobs, what do you think? I mean, I think this is great, as we touched on before you came on, that Marcus Allen's at the game with the owner. He's in the locker room right after the game mentoring him. Josh has got a smile on his face because Marcus <laughs> Allen is in the locker room and in the tunnel with him. I think this is an important moment. We've been looking for moments to build on after the 1-4 and four start. Is this the moment, a home win, as they get on the road with maybe one of the more top, I think a top five MVP candidate in the league this year in the AFC? Well, let's put it this way, Jacob. Uh, Josh Jacobs, when he was drafted, he came out a year early out of Alabama. Yes. Most people, including my th- thought, myself, thought that the Alabama running backs, when they came out of Nick Saban's program, were often used up when they got to the league, didn't have as much run. Mm-hmm. And in the first four years for Jacobs, he was marred by injuries and trying to, but he was still consistent as much as he was out there. I love the young man's heart. I love his determination. I love his passion. He's running for a contract, and he's been running this way all season. He was running this way in preseason when he was out there, running hard, not easy to bring down. The first tackle, always falling forward. These are all the qualities that you look for in a back. And this past Sunday against the Texans, we saw Josh Jacobs run with a sense of determination that if he was going to have to take this team on the back, he was going to, he was going to do that. And that's very, very good to see, guys. And I know you guys enjoyed watching it as much as I did, not only the performance of the offensive line, but just to see him bounce up after after he took so many hits and the way he finished the game after he started out so strong. No doubt about it. And Lincoln had to ask you defensively, Deron Harmon, you know, we've seen the Raiders over the years. They have not come up with a bunch of defensive plays and especially scoring. We saw Meek Robertson earlier this season. They scored. He scored on the scoop and score. We saw the pick six on Sunday. Uh, How nice was that to see the guy that they call the closer go out there and make the play? Well, you know what's good is that when you're sitting back there as Harmon is as, a, as basically a, a defensive center fielder, he's supposed to watch the quarterback, read the eyes of the quarterback, and he did just that. That pick six came in huge. And look, the, the, the thing that's refreshing, guys, is that this defense doesn't get a lot of turnovers, period, mm-hmm. let alone pick sixes or a scoop and score like we had with Robertson early. So that's just refreshing to see as well. If they can if they can instill themselves, if this Patrick Graham defense decides to take over and can slow down offenses, I'm not saying you're going to pitch shutouts like the 85 Bears or anything like that, mm-hmm. but if they're capable to go out there and, and show people that they can slow them down, force other teams to have to settle for threes or try for threes rather than touchdowns, this is going to be a hard team to beat. All right, Lincoln, let's go back to early in your career when you come in with Atlanta as a high pick. You play in New Orleans at the Dome. You've broadcast there. You've played there as a Raider. Walk me through what it's like. The fans love it because it's Bedlam and it's Bourbon Street, (laughs) and Raider fans like to travel to the best spots to have a good time. But as a player, what is it like in that building when it gets really loud to the point where you know you can't hear your quarterback, you're working on – you know, quick snap counts. You're trying to figure out with hand signals what's going to happen. What are the challenges for the Raiders as they prepare for New Orleans inside? Well, it's a difficult place to play. It, it reminds me, you know, I, I did play in New Orleans with Atlanta and I also played in the kingdom when the Seahawks were in yeah. our division mm. and up in Seattle. And that was a hard place to play. The place gets loud and we have rowdy fans. It's difficult. So you have to go back to your silent counts. You'll go back to your 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 center with the head bobs, all the things, the advancements that they've done to these days. But I think the Raiders have had enough of a, 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 a sort of an audition playing in Kansas City. It was loud. It's always loud in Kansas City, so you can barely hear the guy next to you. It, it's, it comes to nonverbal communication, and that's why solidifying the offensive line play 
is so important. There's a lot of nonverbal communication that goes on between the guys up front. And the more you get to know the guy next to you, the better off you are. So that's why, you know, communication is always key before and after the plays and stuff like that, even on the sideline. It's a very difficult place to play. But I will say this about New Orleans. In 2016, when we went there, Del Rio was the yeah, coach. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Raider Nation took over Bourbon Street. They were on the double-decker buses. They were yelling Raiders <laughs> down, you know, all that stuff. It was a great time. I think you might see a lot of that this time when we go back to New Orleans. But you think about it this way, you guys. It's Halloween. <laughs> Who does Halloween better than the no Raider one. Nation? No right. one. <laughs> so, yes. you, so you can only imagine what's going to go on on the Big Under, right, down in New Orleans. So I'm looking forward to it, and I'm hoping the game, the, the, the team can respond by getting a, a, a big win. Yeah, it's going to be one big party, big celebration out there on Bourbon Street. I can only imagine what that's going to look like. Now, uh, you talked about the offensive line and getting used to playing to, uh, with the guy next to you. And, of course, they've had the inconsistent offensive line. But what I've seen the last two games, I've seen Dylan Parham lined up right now at that left guard spot right next to Colton Miller. And they look like that they're really gelling right there with a the one-two punch. What have you seen from those two guys in particular? Well, if I'm not mistaken, Q, wasn't Bars the left guard next to Colton Miller and Dylan was right guard? He was. If I'm not mistaken, and he might be. No, I, Bars I, I is over at the right. right. Yeah, Bars is okay, at the right. Okay, so spot I, now. I, 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 well, I, I do know this. You know, as far as Dylan Parham's come, you, the 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 team has been high on him since they drafted him, mm-hmm. and and everyone in the locker room has spoken positively of his work ethic and just how far the young man has come. Um, just going out there with the tenacity of playing hard. No matter who you're playing against, and let's forget, let's not forget, we always make mention of the defensive ends around the league. There's some damn good defensive tackles in the league, right? And so you, this young man has taken on some of the best so far. Has come along with, whether he's playing right guard or left guard, it doesn't matter. I'm just, I'm glad that they they seem to have a little bit of a uh, a little bit of more of a thought powder, pattern and a consistency on how they're going to develop this offensive line, no matter who's out there. You know, Jermaine Illuminor still struggles, in in my opinion. But you know, they they he didn't finish the game. Munford went out there for right tackle for majority of the, I think, the second half, if not the entire second half. So uh, just coming along, they got to come along. They got to develop. We know what we have in our left tackle. You know what you have in your center. It's been the guards and the right tackle spot that has been the biggest sort of concern. And this team has come a long way to try to develop them. Lincoln, let's wrap it up with the head coach Josh McDaniels. What you've seen with his vision and how he wants this team to just stick with what they're preaching and teaching here. Some of these games are starting off slow. I was concerned. Third quarter, I'm saying, where's the blowout? When are they going to put the pedal down and do it? And they finally did it at the start of the fourth quarter. But he is preaching, stay in the game, do your job. He doesn't get emotional. I haven't seen any emotion from him (laughs) in a negative way on the sideline. And there's been some negative plays there. What are you noticing with Josh McDaniels with the game plan and especially the adjustments as they're coming off a win? Well, the adjustments are huge. Okay. Because what we saw in the second half was different than what we saw in the first half. So the adjustments are huge. And more importantly, when you script, most coaches that I've known script the first 20 plays, when they don't sort of get out, get after it the way you want to. Now, let's face it. The Raiders have been successful with their opening drives. They've scored points. Has been a whole lot of touchdowns, but they've scored points. So it kind of sends a message. But to your point, JT, staying with it and making the adjustments, I think that's absolutely key. There was parts in the, there were early parts in the season where I thought the Raiders became too predictable. Oh, we're going to try to get the ball to Devontae Adams. Oh, we're going to try to get the ball to Darren Waller, oh, you know, and, and try to force that issue, especially when opposing defenses wanted to take it away. What I saw this past weekend against the Texans, especially in the first half, they were having trouble running the football because they had trouble communicating on the offensive line. You saw too much penetration from white shirts. Josh Jacobs was making cuts in the backfield. 
the moment he got the football. That's not supposed to happen. The offensive line is supposed to take care of the front seven. So they had to do a better job of communicating and, and, and differentiating who's got whom on, on that offensive line. They did that in the second half. That's that. So that shows me there's an adjustment. As far as the passing game goes, you know, they're finding different ways to get the ball to Devontae Adams, which is key. You have them running crossing routes. You have them running stop routes, hook routes, comeback routes. You're, you're working if there's a cushion from the defensive back. Those are just simple keys that a quarterback in every offense should read. So I think they're coming along. The thing that re- that impresses me most about so far what the Raiders have been able to do is that they've been in every game or have controlled every game. They just haven't finished every game. Mm-hmm. That's something to be said. They're on the verge of being damn good in my opinion, guys, but it's going to take a lot more consistency. It's going to take a lot more of those adjustments that we've seen first half to second half. And more importantly, they're going to have to find a way to finish games like they did this past week against the Texans. Lincoln, safe travels to New Orleans, and we'll talk to you next week. We really appreciate your time as always. Sounds good, guy. Thanks for having me. The great Lincoln Kennedy. When we come back, we'll go around the league. It's Raiders Roundtable brought to you by America First Credit Union. When you're a part of a team, there are expectations. And one of the things I expect from my team is trust. I work hard to win, and I trust my team to work hard too. That's why I feel good about America First Credit Union. They're my financial team, and I trust that they'll always be there for me and my community. I'm Hunter Renfro. Join me and the America First team today. Thanks for coming back to Raiders Roundtable along with Q Myers. I'm JT. Thanks again to Lincoln Kennedy. Now let's go around the league and the Chiefs beating the 49ers. 49ers went out and got Christian McCaffrey. Right. And they made a big move. And that's a a move that they're making to win the Super Bowl. Not to get there. They thought they would get there. (laughs) Then they ran into trouble. The juggernaut. We're used to that with Kansas City around here and how they can explode. Right. And I'm interested to see how the whole dynamic works in San Francisco now that you add a guy like Christian McCaffrey, who we all know is a very dynamic player, uh, win healthy, of of course, you always got to put that asterisk out there. Uh, I'm sure Kyle Shanahan will figure out how to use them, but they're under the gun, man. They got to make it happen. Like you said, you don't go make a move like that just to try to get to the playoffs. You're going for the whole thing, and they've got to go ahead and make that happen. And they uh, they didn't look very good against Kansas City. And Q, I think we'll talk about this more in the weeks to come, especially with Dave Ziegler with the trade deadline coming. Yeah. I think the younger GMs and executives want to do deals. Yeah, They like draft picks, right. but they'd rather do a deal. And Christian McCaffrey, because of the Shanahan connection mm-hmm. with Ed McCaffrey and Kyle and going back to Mike Shanahan, it feels like John Lynch, they did their due diligence to do this deal because they think they're going to need him against the Rams right. in a playoff game, home or on the road. And look, look what Carolina did. They get rid of McCaffrey and Anderson, and they right. bounce back. So it's incredible. If you would have told me Carolina would beat Tom Brady <laughs> and the Niners right. would get blown out in the second half, I didn't see that coming. No, I didn't either. And it's just how the, the league is, man. The NFL is a week-to-week league. You know, a lot of times when coaches either get fired or some big shakeup happens in the organization a lot of times the team will go out and play really hard for whoever's out there and so that's what Carolina did but yeah uh, Tampa Bay's in a weird situation but yeah San Francisco they got to figure things out man they're giving away draft capital you know they have a lot of players but uh, right now they're not looking so hot in the NFC West right now everyone's looking up at the Seahawks a lot of people thought the Jets would beat the Broncos but the Jets suffered two devastating injuries to their team big time time injuries but I like the way they played in this game they Mm -hmm. dominated the line of scrimmage and we were talking about Nate Hackett the head coach, and I think the first-year coaches, even when they're struggling, deserve the season. For sure. They deserve an opportunity in the offseason to kind of fix their ways, but 
The Wolves are at the door, man, in right. Denver. Those fans want him out as the coach. Well, yeah, and the reason is because they were talking so loud as yeah. soon as they got Russell Wilson and you heard the whole Not Let's just Ride them. thing. Right. Radio host, everybody, everybody loves yes. Denver. Yes. Ten and a half win total. Yes. They're my pick for the Super Bowl. Right. I thought people were out of their mind with I that did too. pick. I did, too. And, and Nathaniel Hackett was a main reason, not because I didn't think he was a good coach. It's just he was a first-time coach. Yeah. So I just wanted to see how it was going to work. And right now you're looking at Pete Carroll and Seahawks and thinking maybe they were onto something when they decided to let Russell Wilson go. Well, the thing about Russell Wilson, I'm going to give him some credit here. I think he's going to figure it out. At some point, so he's going to get going. But what he does is he doesn't run the way he used to. Right. So he used to take off and run on third down. How many times did you see Russell Wilson on a third and 11, third and 10, third and nine, just run for a first down because everybody was downfield? Right. And he would see it and take off. It looks like he's a little bit hesitant, Q, and he doesn't want to run. And when he doesn't run, that really hurts him. But the Jets suffered two injuries, but... You know, when we look at the future for the Raiders and how to chase possibly the wild card, right? the Jets are there. Absolutely. And I don't know if they're going away anytime soon. I don't think they are. You know, they had a really good draft, in my opinion. Of course, you never really know how the draft is until about a year or two down the line. But from what we've seen from the early returns with Sauce Gardner and Brees Hall, who unfortunately suffered the yeah, torn ACL, he was a heck of a, a rookie running back. I think he's going to be a great one. Uh, you know, it just it, they have some really good players, and they believe they have confidence, and they're playing tough for their coach, Robert Sala. The thing I continue to say is, how do the Chargers have four wins? Right. I, I look at the Chargers, and they're playing as poorly as any team out there. Right. But they banked four wins. Yeah. And they got Including injuries. one against the Raiders. Right. And J.C. Jackson now is out for the year and missed their interception. Yep. That was a really big pickup for them, along with Khalil Mack yep. and the players that they have there. I tell you, the coach is a the problem there, and the mm-hmm. Seahawks with Geno Smith, they are running the ball without Penny, and they just are winning the line of scrimmage, too. I'm very impressed with what Seattle's doing. I am, too, and I keep saying every week I'm waiting for Geno Smith to be Geno Smith. Yeah. Right? You know, Hopefully because like, it's against the Raiders. The old <laughs> right, Gino, exactly. Right? I'm just like, this This has got to end at some point, right? But it's not. I mean, he's really going out there, playing good ball. He's not doing too much, but the recipe that they have in Seattle is working, and so you just, maybe he's having a late career resurgence. I don't know. Like you said, if he does let it happen after the Raider game, right? Well, he is playing well, and Pete Carroll's a hell of a coach. Yeah, he they is. had a vision there and what they wanted to do. But let's stay with the Chargers for a second. The Chargers are looming, yeah. and the Raiders get the Chargers at home down the line. And that's a game, if the Chargers are still Jekyll and Hyde like this, it's one of those games, as we look ahead, that the Raiders have to win. For sure. And it could have been a Charger team that ran away. Yeah. And that might have been better than Kansas City. I believe more in the Chargers than I did Denver. Right. And I think eventually if the Chargers can get healthy, they'll have an outside shot at the playoffs. I thought that the Raiders and, and the Chargers were going to compete compete for that number two spot, yeah. right? And then and, and then someone has an opportunity to beat Kansas City, but they're Kansas City, so, you know, until otherwise, until proven otherwise, they're who they are. So, yeah, the Chargers, they just they're always snake-bitten with injuries. Uh, they have a lot of weird decisions that are made by the head coach on the sideline with all his analytics and going for it on fourth down, and uh, a lot of decisions, I think, are, are wrong, but it just seems like they're still hanging around there. Well, as we look at the standings here, the Raiders are two and four, two and a half out, Kansas City 5-2. and two. Kansas City won some big games. They yeah. won at Tampa Bay, and they won in Santa Clara against the 49ers. you got to give them credit, but the Raiders had them beat. Yep. They had them beat. Yep. That would have been a game that would have had them at 4-3, and three, and the Raiders would have been a game behind. But as we look at Las Vegas here and what they need to do, they just have to stack wins, as we said a week ago, one at a time. I'm not looking at Jacksonville. Right. I don't care about Jacksonville. I care about New Orleans. And as we talked about on Raiders Roundtable this week, who's going to be the quarterback? Could Jameis come back? Will it be Andy Dalton? Right. Will the Raiders be able to get after it? But with Cam Jordan and some of the players they have up front, I know it's not going to be easy. I'd love another 18-point win. I just think it's going to come down to a fourth-quarter game. Yeah. 
and Josh Jacobs is going to either have to run out the clock or mm-hmm. Derek from behind is going to have to make a couple of big plays to Devontae to close out the game. Right, and you know, it could come down to the fact that the Raiders' defense has to make another play because yeah. uh, Kamara is playing some good ball. You know, he's running well. He's always going to run strong. So I don't care really who's the quarterback, Winston or Dalton. They can get the ball to Alvin. How about Indy benching their quarterback, a future Hall of Famer, right. Matt Ryan? Right. What was that about? They said for the year, you take that week to week yeah. when you got a guy like that. And they're basically, I think the owner there mm-hmm. basically went nuts and said, look, I, I'm going to get rid of everybody unless we fix this. So right. it's New Orleans, Jacksonville, Indy, Denver, and Seattle. Wow. When the schedule came out and I saw that, I didn't expect the Raiders to start off one and four, but this is when I thought they'd stack wins. Mm-hmm. Maybe four out of five of these. I'm not going to predict every game's going right. to be a victory. We'll wait and see. There could be other issues there, but they sure have a chance here, Q, with what we're looking at and what our viewers and listeners are looking at to really get on the roll. They have a big opportunity. It starts this week with New Orleans. Of course, they're on the road and they're going to stay on the road, right? And then uh, head to Jacksonville. And I think one big key to this that a lot of people aren't talking about is the fact that Jacksonville plays this week against Denver in London. Great point. So when the Raiders play Jacksonville and they're already staying on the East Coast, they're waiting for them and they're going to try to get their sea legs back. So the Jacksonville Jaguars are going to be a little bit of, you know, a little kind of worn out from that trip, that long flight, and the Raiders are going to be there well-rested. Yeah, you look at that again, and there's only one game in Allegiant, that Colts game, man. Yeah. That's going to be a while away from yeah, Allegiant. Yeah, no, man. It's, Four man. out of five on the road, winnable games, but they got to get it done. Tell everybody what's happening on Raider Nation Radio. Well, we'll continue to update you on everything that you need to know, all the injuries, anything going on with the team. We're going to update you from the morning tailgate, JT the Brick, myself, Unnecessary Roughness, 2 to 5, all day long. We got you covered, all things silver and black. We really appreciate you watching and listening. And remember, go to the YouTube page, go to Raiders.com, subscribe, like it, tell your friends about it inside the Raider Nation. And thanks for coming back to Raiders Roundtable, brought to you by America First Credit Union. Have a great week, everybody.